some folks in our space aren't as boisterous. They aren't as outgoing. They don't always feel as comfortable sharing, I need this, I want this. Um, and sometimes they need to combine in others who may be able to lift their voice up in a different way. Pull up a chair. Joining me today is DJ Menifee. As we talk about approaching everything with a purpose, committing to self-reflection, and the value of being your authentic self, let's get started. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Elevating Admission Voices. I am your host, Angie Cooksey, and joining me today is the incomparable DJ Menifee. Um, if you don't know DJ, he is the Vice President for Enrollment at Susquehanna University in Pennsylvania. Um, please pardon my voice. Uh, I did a college fair last night and I'm just out of shape. My voice is out of shape. It was a pre-2020 level uh, fair, which was so exciting. We saw so many people, but man, I just, you forget how much work that is sometimes uh, to, to exercise those vocal cords. So DJ, thank you so much for being on the show. Not a problem. It's an honor and a blessing to be here. And like you, um, the the national conference and that guy conference was kind of a revert back to uh, yeah. pandemic times. And I uh, lost my voice during that time as well. So I'm, I'm very familiar with kind of re-energizing and exercising the vocal cards for um, high volume, high octane experiences. So I'm sure it'll come back to you soon. Yeah. It's one of those things, right? Like you I don't know if you've had this experience, CJ, as we've kind of navigated the last couple of years, but you kind of get those moments where you're like, oh, we're back to back to whatever feeling like what it used to be feels like. And then then you do that and you're like, oh, I forgot. I forgot a little bit. Right. About like how 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 this work looks like in different capacities. So before we go off on any sort of tangent that I typically will take us on, I always like to start with you. This space for those who are joining us for the first time is I like to say a round table where there's room for everybody at the table. So pull up a chair, let's have a chat and really give people an opportunity to learn a little bit about you, who you are, what your journeys looked like, how you identify, what that has looked like to get you to the seat that you're sitting in today. So I'm going to give you the floor and and let's see where we go. Sure, sure, sure. Well, I think the the space that I, I start off with is kind of the the core values, like what gives me stability in life, regardless of what is happening and regardless of what we're navigating. And um, the first thing is, is my, my faith, my, my family. And for those who know me know that that is pretty much, if I'm not working, that's where I'm engaging and spending my time. Uh, my vocation, I'm very passionate about the work that I've been called to do, uh, a, a space that Angie, we share, uh, right. this thing called higher education, this thing called enrollment, this thing called college admission. Um, and I'm also passionate about life learning. Uh, I always want to have the capacity to pick up another book uh, uh, and to either revisit a topic like leadership to continue to enhance my understanding um, and to make sure I can implement it and incorporate it into my day uh, or at times to challenge myself and what I've grown up to think I know about my history um, based on my identity and at times to struggle through content to sometimes have to reestablish the norms and reestablish my understanding based on things that I didn't know growing up that is related to my history. And so those are the things that I think ground me. Um, and I would say that the guiding principles of what drive me 
uh, would be kind of thinking through what I'm passionate about, um, approaching everything with a purpose, mm-hmm. um, and also making sure that as time permits that I commit to self-reflection. I think we have to know ourselves best to be able to um, contribute to the highest capacity of others. And so whether it's how I lead people, the the difference between how I think I'm leading versus how people are reacting to the leadership and how they feel what's going, my understanding of different things we need to know in our work, um, where am I based on what I think I am capable of and mm. facilitating search and buying names and where am I actually in comparison <laughs> to the field, right? Um, where am I in terms of budget management mm-hmm. um, and budget forecasting in comparison to where I probably could be? And so truly spending that time to do self-reflection. So those are some of the kind of key uh, pieces of my life, starting with my core values and then leading to the, the guiding principles Um, The piece about journey, my career journey started off in trying to understand what career might be best for me. Oh, yeah. I'm not a student ambassador of sorts. Uh, I was a college athlete. I had never really engaged the admission office before. And um, an opportunity kind of presented itself where the, the vice president of enrollment at that institution, which was my alma mater in North Carolina, said, you know, hey, would you, you know, be willing to come over and, and put in some hours for us? Um, as an internship. And I'm like, well, how much you're paying? And as he kind of, you know, laid out what that would look like, that was kind of, you know, heading into maybe the last two months of my senior year. Okay. I got a chance to do data imports. So I'm working into the most glamorous of jobs. Uh, Yeah. You know, data entry. Uh, I got a chance to provide tours, do info sessions, cover college fairs, uh, initial exposure to what it means to read an application for admission. And then as I was finishing up my last final, I was offered a job by that vice president and the president Mm. of the university at the time. And that kind of started my journey. Um, It was one of those initial six to eight months where it's like, I don't know if this is what I want to do for life, but it's providing uh, income and supporting me and my family at the moment. So let's see how it goes. And as I began to fully understand the rhythm of it, the cycle of it, and Mm -hmm. as I began to be able to make correlations between Mm -hmm. what I felt I had as skills and what successful kind of technical skill sets and soft skill sets would, would help somebody be successful in the field, uh, I confirmed pretty quickly that it was the journey I wanted to be on and also confirmed pretty quickly what role I wanted to have. Okay. Pretty quickly. And so, you know, earlier in my career, I was at Ball State. I was an assistant director. I was based on campus, but Chicago was my territory. And I think that was the best thing that could have ever happened in my career because my opportunity to be in Chicago gave me the opportunity to meet all the amazing people in Mm. the ACAC to become involved. Um, I will never forget the first two people that asked me to get involved on mentorship committee. It was Nate Barger um, and Annie Kramer. Yeah. Um, so shout out to them. And that kind of, I'm like volunteer. Okay. I don't know what this is, this thing, <laughs> uh, but it was really good to start being involved and to understand not only how you can have a different network and a different community, um, but also how you can give of yourself maybe in a different way that, that maybe you couldn't in your job, your day to day. And from there, I just started thinking through, okay, how do I best position myself career-wise to get to where I'm trying to go. And that included some, some transitions, some journeying. And I think what's interesting is there are people who do this work and they're really great at it, but they're not led by 
a goal of a position. They're just doing mm-hmm. it out of passion of their heart. And I think that's awesome. And they can be loyal and they stay at institutions for a long period of time. And I commend them and celebrate them for that. No different than I celebrate those that have goals, they're oriented, and they have a pathway that they want to be on and, and a place they want to end up. And I think our profession allows for all those things and then some, right? Yes. And and so I've just enjoyed the shifts in my journey to say, okay, this institution may provide this opportunity to build my capacity, to build my understanding, to take on a leadership role, to understand mm-hmm. how to work with vendors, to understand how to supervise people for the first time and to lead people, uh, to manage projects, to work with faculty. And those those opportunities presented themselves over the space and time that I've been in. And I've also got to work with some amazing leaders. And so um, when I think of Devon Urals, who obviously is no longer a part of the higher ed space, but still very much a part of education, he was a great mentor for me during my time at Knox and, and helped me step away from kind of the strategy and execution, the, the tactical portion of leadership, and helped me better ascertain the value and the importance of relationships. Oh, sure. Uh, and connecting with people and also never feeling like you can't stay connected to your faith. You can always be your authentic self in the space. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll stop there because I can go on for, for a journey and a half, but mm-hmm. I, don't, I was very clear early on in my career that I wanted to at some point be a director of admission and that at some point I wanted to be a vice president of enrollment. And I even said kind of clear, like, okay, by this age, Oh, wow. Here. I want to just pause you really quick on that because in the conversations I've had recently, one of the things I think our field struggles with is that pipeline, that visualization of what that is. And so I would be really curious, like you mentioned, you had like, I, I want to do this by this. How'd you set that up? Like, did anybody teach you that? Or was that your own intuition of like, this is what I own, I want to do? Or did you have any advice? So I would say as far as setting the, the the goals of I want to be a director of admission by the time I'm 30 mm-hmm. um, was my goal. But I had mentors and partners who supported me to say, well, if that is your goal, here are the things you're going to need to be exposed to. Here are the skill sets you're going to need to be able to cultivate and develop so that you can put yourself in position to have that opportunity. Yeah around the time you're 30. Um, (laughs) And I would say similarly, as I said, okay, and I want to be a vice president of enrollment by the time I turn 35. Mm -hmm. Hey, that may or may not happen. But in order to get there, here are the things you're going to need to expose yourself to. Here are the experiences you're going to need to have um, so that you can put yourself in contention to have an opportunity like that. Uh, And that's kind of how things mapped out, not necessarily to a T on the age per se, (laughs) <laughs> uh, but, but in the sense of kind of navigating the journey and making sure I had those experiences. You're pretty close on the age though. I feel like, I feel like you're in the ballpark of those, those numbers that you were mentioning, which I think is pretty exceptional. Um, I want to circle back because you had mentioned kind of your core values and then you sort of kind of brushed over, not, not, not brushed over, but like you just sort of slipped in there lifelong learning And I will say, as I think of you, certainly those three other things that you mentioned, faith and family and vocation are certainly who you are. But also when I think of you, I cannot help but think of you as somebody I aspire to as a learner. I think that it's not just that you are are talking about it, but like you're actively engaged in it. And I think we have to talk about your reading list. Um, 
anyone, any conversation I've ever been in where your name comes up, DJ, one of the things that mentions is like, how does that man have so much time to read? So first of all, what is on your reading list? How do you curate your reading list? And anything that you would be like, hey, if you have time in the next three months, here's the book I would recommend. Yes, yes. So what I would start off with is kind of the approach to it. So everybody has a way that they like to learn. And so think through what that is. Maybe you can listen to audiobooks. Maybe you can listen to webcast, podcast. Maybe there's a variety of different ways. People I love that. Learn. And so for me, I love diving into a good book. I'm not a big fan of articles. I need to like dive into the content and make notes. Okay. Um, like oh, so you're notes. a hard copy, like paper. Hard. Okay. As you can see behind, I need the physical. For those who can't month. see, since we don't share out the video of this, <laughs> DJ has, I think, what, six shelves? It goes almost to his ceiling. They are full, all the books. So I, I think in that, right, then it's compartmentalizing time. Yeah. So, I spend time early in the mornings. I probably wake up between three and four and I spend time. Oh, no, no, no. With when my, do you sleep? With my reading. Uh, well, well, Angie, as we both share, we have children, right? Yes. And so our children are in the bed by nine. So we we get a reasonable amount of time of sleep, I think. Uh, but yeah, my, my <laughs> so you're on like a five hour sleep schedule. Yeah. If I sleep longer than five hours, it's, it's not going to go well. It's <laughs> not going to go well. Um, but. I, I start off hey, with for those sleep. listening. We all operate differently. <laughs> and if you need more than five hours of sleep, that is okay. <laughs> yes. To each their own. But I, I spent a little time there. And then in the function of my day to day, I bake in time to read. And I want to make sure that I'm doing that not only because professional development is important to me and I see that as a part of my job, but also to signal to the people that are in my building that can see me all the time that, hey, this is development. This is a part of contributing to your understanding and your and your building and your capacity of doing your job um, and having an, an, an impactful experience. But also it's a part of what may feed you, what may fill you up and mm. fill your cup up. Um, and so mm. when I read every morning, my door is open, people see me reading, they can still stop by if they want to chat or have a question. Uh, um, I want to walk through a decision but it's a part of my my day. And so that's how I make time to be able to do that. Um, as I think about a reading list, it's really thinking about it in terms of categories. So okay. I always want to have something that's in my um, next series of books that I can capture that is related to higher ed and where higher ed is going. Mm -hmm. uh, I oftentimes want to have something that's related to higher ed history that can give me a different lens uh, so that I can interpret that as I'm moving forward in my work. I always want to have something related to enrollment management specifically. Mm. And then separate from that, I like diving into understanding my history and my heritage and, and thinking about our history as a, as a country when it, in terms of racism. Yeah. Um, I like to have things on the economy. Um, oh. And so always thinking through what's happening in the world around us and how might that affect our work, um, yeah. i.e. inflation, i.e. anything that's in relationship to that the stock market what's happening to our endowments, all those particular things I want to be mindful uh, of sharing space with. Marketing um, is another piece uh, that I tend to, to find myself diving into um, sales, but my, my prominent space that I love to dive into is leadership. So, you know, no matter how many leadership books I've read, it's either exposing me to something new um, or it is allowing me to say, okay, this sounds similar to some of the other pieces I've read. Have I had a chance to check myself on this lately? Mm. Uh, is this something that I've incorporated? Uh, if somebody were to ask some of my direct reports or the people I work with most closely, 
is this a value that they're going to say they see in me? Is this a leadership style or philosophy that they feel like they see and they feel in the day-to-day engagement? Um, lastly, as far as reading lists and, and what I would recommend, um, one of the books I've recently read, um, there's a book called um, Blue Ocean Strategy, um, but there's a, a follow-up to that, um, and it's Blue Ocean Shift. Um, and so it's really kind of providing tools um, to help you say, okay, if we want to walk our organization or our leadership team through a process of saying, how do we identify where we currently are in market? How do we identify if we have a product or service that is is capable of dancing in a in a new market and bringing us additional success versus drowning in the same cup of, of competitive nature that we've been in? And then how do you implement it and how do you bring everybody along for the journey? So I've enjoyed that. And then one of the books I'm reading now for class um, is a a book called Leadership on the Line. Mm -hmm. And it really talks about leadership from the lens of um, helping people navigate change and and why is adaptive change so hard through the lens of what we may have to give up to make the change. So is it a worldview we have to give up? Uh, Is it a perspective on life we have to give up? If it's something that we, we... saw as a part of our identity and because I'm being asked to give it up now I'm I feel lost so really navigating it through that way and then also thinking about leadership as a system versus kind of a narrow lens and so you know when you think about our roles um, specifically with an enrollment or specific to to admission um, how often do we pause and step to understand the whole system whether micro level thinking about our institution as a whole like that's the system um, what does this decision mean for the system? Um, what structures are in place that always lead to these same behaviors? And if we want to change the behavior, we're not trying to change the event. We're trying to think through how do we change the assumptions that lead up to our space, right? Mm-hmm. If we want people to realize we truly are test optional, what do we do in our practices that try to change yeah. the assumption and behaviors at the bottom and provide transparency in how we're making decisions, provide transparency in how many of our students uh, that are admitted are actually out of the test optional cohort so that you start to change the assumption and you start to change the behavior and how people react to some of the things that we do. So that would be uh, a book that I would recommend if, if people had a chance and they were interested in leadership content. Um, leadership on the Line would be the one that I would recommend. I, I wrote all those down, so I'm going to add those to my list. I, I saw you had posted about the Blue Ocean ones recently, and those are on my list. Um, but I love that Leadership on the Line, which really kind of parlays nicely into where I wanted to go with you because you had mentioned something about the importance of self-reflection. You also talked a lot about leadership. And I think for so many of us right now, it is that sort of consistent day-to-day, we're all stuck in the stuff, right? We're all like, I have to get this done. I have this meeting. We have this to-do list. We have this event. We have to onboard new people, right? We're all doing the things. How do you build your schedule with intention, as you were talking about, to to create that time for self reflection? Um, and then after that, I want to dive into a little bit of of how you how you handle leadership. Got you. So I would say I'm very kind of methodical in how I approach a day. So okay. my to do list and what I want to accomplish in any given day is either written the night before or the morning of. Mindful that life happens, uncertainty sure. happens within your day. But pretty, I pretty much have a good sense of the path that I intend to take for the day. I prepare for all of my meetings. I don't want anybody to feel like I'm wasting their time 
because I yeah. showed up to the conversation uh, on a, an important topic and I present as unprepared, mm. right? And so in doing so, I also prepare time to self-reflect when needed. So an example would be, uh, as I was coming through the season of performance evaluations for my direct reports, um, within each conversation, I'm like, okay, as we move forward, what can I do to remove barriers so that you can be more successful? What mm -hmm. can I do to further enhance our working relationship? What can I do to support our division and being more successful through your lens? And what was very interesting to me this time around is one, each of them have gotten to a point where they feel comfortable being their authentic selves with me and sharing things regardless of how they think <laughs> I feel, which, which I think is- Which a is so problem. valuable. Yeah. It's hard, but it's valuable. But two, the other piece was they each said the same thing in a different way without, oh. well, at least I felt as if they didn't have conversations with each other beforehand, right? Got it. And so the piece that came out was, we want you to be more available to our peers in the division mm. because they don't know you the way we know you. They don't see you the way we see you. And a lot of it is based on how often we are connected to you and spend time with you. Sure. And what is hard for me based on how I'm wired is, is that is one of the things I value silence and solitude. I am an introvert at core and at heart. And I do things with purpose as one of my guiding principles. So if I don't have a reason to go down the hallway, I'm not going down the hallway. Sure. I have a reason to walk around campus to go somewhere else. I tend not to do that. And so I've been working with my executive coach to figure out how can I do that in a way that is still authentic to me, that is yeah. authentic and feel to them, and is also demonstrating to the people that I work more closely with and really care about that I'm listening to you. Right. I hear you. Um, and then I also make sure they know I'll give them updates like, hey, I haven't forgot about this, but I also want you to understand how hard this really is for me. So yeah. just be be available, just be um, patient, um, but also know that the, the things that you say to me matter to me. And I want you to be able to see that if, if it's ethical and if it makes sense for the vision and it makes sense for the direction we're headed in, that I will work as hard as I can to implement it, but it may not be easy. You want me to implement strategy? <laughs> done. I can put that on a piece of paper. Yeah. yeah. You want me to, to go to this extent that is a little outside of my comfort zone? Just know it's going to take a little bit more time, but I'm working through it. I, gosh, I really hope people hear what you're saying because there are so many different kinds of people and different kinds of personalities in the work that we do. And I know one of the things I've been talking a lot about is for any of us, regardless of where we are on any part of this leadership journey. And I think whether you're in the first day of the job or you're ready to retire, you are still have the function and the capacity to be a leader on your team. Titles in our field are sometimes shenanigans. Um, and so wherever you are on that leadership journey, I, I think we all can learn better how to vocalize what we also need. I don't know if you have that, have ever had kind of walked through that where you know, there's frustration from your team and they're like, we need you. We need you more. And you're like, what does more look like? And they were like, we don't know. We just need you more. And that's how do you navigate that? Cause that can be really hard when you know, something's missing, but you don't necessarily have, they don't have maybe the skills to voice it up or you don't have the skills to figure it out. Does that make sense? 
It does. And I, I think the word that that comes to mind is observation. Mm. Um, another word would be patience. Um, right. And then another word that kind of aligns with observation is listening. Um, sometimes somebody is trying to tell you something and they may struggle to articulate it. But if you're patient enough, uh, you spend enough time trying to listen versus as you're hearing them, you are formulating what you want to say. So you're not really taking time to engage yeah. what you're saying. Um, and then just taking time to observe. Sometimes it shows up. They can't say it, but mm. you can see it in some of those moments. Um, and then all, oftentimes it's like, hey, okay, well, let's revisit this. And so I'm also in those moments, hopefully, um, or other leaders are hopefully signaling to those folks they're working with that, hey, you said something a week ago. Angie said something two weeks ago and she couldn't articulate it, but I can tell that it bothered her. I can tell it was something that she cared about. So whether we got through it or not two weeks ago, now we're meeting two weeks later and now my agenda is this item. Hey, oh yeah, you're bringing it back. And, and and maybe even then at that point, they can't kind of come up with it. But again, it's spending that time trying to navigate it. Um, we'll never all, we'll never get it right um, right as leaders or in instances where the, the people we're working with are deemed a leader in whatever capacity, you know, we're human, we're wired yeah. differently. Um, we perceive differently. Um, how we hear things may be different. We may, you know, perceive it to be something different than what it is. And so I think we just have to give ourselves that time. And the other piece I would say is, you know, be humble, you know, like show some humility just and be as honest as you can. Um, And that may not always work, but, you know, I feel like we should be able to sleep easy at night knowing that we've done our best to engage our people on a daily basis. Yeah, I think that's really important and really valuable. Again, there goes my voice. I'm so sorry, friends. Um, <clears throat> I, I want to shift gears a, a tiny bit and, and kind of bring it back a little bit to you. I think we all could tend and attend an, a leadership class led by DJ. So I think we should make that happen. I'm just saying, I know you have a full plate, but I think, I think we, I think we're on to something here. Um, I would sign up. So just saying, um, but I, I want to come back a little bit to you. Cause you mentioned at the beginning that your journey was very intentional and that you, regardless of whether you hit yourself described milestones, when you wanted to, you, you had a plan to get there. Um, and I think in some capacity there, there has to be some level of advocacy for yourself that goes with that. Um, so I'd be curious kind of what has advocacy looked like for you in this space. And then on that kind of note also, how have you been able to sort of save space for yourself in this work? Because it's, it asks a lot of us higher ed, right? It, it'll, it'll take all you can give. So how, how do you balance some of that? So when I think about um, the advocacy piece, the first piece I would say is, is there are ways to advocate that still allow you to be yourself. Mm. Um, some folks in our space aren't as boisterous. They aren't as outgoing they don't always feel as comfortable sharing i need this i want this um and sometimes they need to combine in others who may be able to lift their voice up in a different way but there are alternative ways and methods that one can do so that aligns with who you are and and doesn't make you feel like you have to stretch too far out of your comfort zone of who you are 
um, early on in the career, it was considering, okay, what, what is happening within our structure? Where are there gaps? Oh, yeah. Oh, so we don't have another person who can do data entry right now. I'm now a full counselor, but okay, no problem. So that helped me build over time my capacity to understand systems Yeah. Uh, because I was willing to do that. And I understand, okay, well, these two systems different. Their fields aren't mapping. I learned <laughs> that at an early period in the career where people were still using Recruitment Plus and DataTail. Oh, um, like and, hats and, off to so, Recruitment Plus. Like. <laughs> so I think there was that piece. I think the other piece was just being willing within the context of the one-on-one with whoever your, your leader is or supervisor is, is to kind of advocate for what you need. Um, can feel more comfortable in that way. The worst thing they can say is no, whether it's um, that's not a part of your job description or we don't have the resources. Uh, and I think it was a part of that to be willing to say, well, the worst thing they can say is no, you can't go to ICAC conference. Right. No, you can't uh, go to do the presentation, even though your presentation got approved. Okay, that's the worst thing that can happen. And then the last piece I would say is a part of the advocacy is going one step further and saying, well, hey, Angie, what if what if they don't have the professional development budget for you to go to the conference, but you know it's a value to you? Well, then why can't you pay for it for yourself? Yeah. Or why can't you figure out alternative ways to get there? They got Apply grants. For grants. For. Yeah, so yeah. I think that was a part of the advocacy. And then as I was willing to share kind of my vision and direction, most of the folks I work with that were leading me or responsible for, for leading me in that capacity were willing to provide a helping hand to help me get there. Mm. Um, Andy Borst, uh, shout out to Andy uh, over at Urbana-Champaign. When he was the director of admission at Western Illinois when I was a regional, Andy understood what I my vision was and where my goals were. And I remember USC um, SoCal launched their leadership and enrollment management certificate program. Yeah. It was like the inaugural offering. And Andy was like, hey, I think this is for you. We can't fund it. Right. <laughs> this is for you. And I, I I literally remember seeing it and I built like a presentation for the queen, my wife, and was like, hey, I'm not going to become an enrollment manager tomorrow, but there's value in this. I know it's going to pull on our savings, but I'm asking your support to invest in me to go through this experience. Yeah. And so he was there as someone who observed, okay, we've been in conversations. I know the direction he wants to go and I can see it in his day to day. If something pops up, how can I support him in his journey to get there? And so I think we all will have people in our corner in that way. And they may not be our supervisor. They may be a colleague. Um, they yeah. may be a peer that we've met on the road and we're always next to at the college fair. Um, Your alphabet buddies that that truly support us and care about um, our our livelihoods and care about the direction and the paths that we're on, and they can provide support um, and guidance to support us in those journeys. I I love that so much. I think sometimes we right we get stuck in a little bit of like I have to do X Y and Z, and there's just so many ways to get to where you want to go, and so many ways to do this work. Um, I love, and I hope people are hearing from you, the value of, of showing up as who you are. Um, cause I would imagine you wouldn't be sitting in the chair that you're sitting in today. If you tried to do this work, being somebody else, you'd be tired, right? What I would say to that is, is, um, finding self and being comfortable with self and how you show up as that self 
I think is a different journey for everyone. Oh, a hundred percent. I would be telling you a story, Angie, if I said I was doing that when I was at Ball State and I was doing that during my time at Knox and that when I was even the director of admission at Butler, it, it's been an evolving process. I don't know that I've fully felt comfortable in my my own skin and how I show up as a leader until my first year here at Susquehanna as a vice president. Like it took me that long to say, you know what? Yes, this is how I show up. This is how I lead. This is how I engage. Yeah. This and that's okay. Yes, but it, it did yeah. take me a it while. And, and so what I see oftentimes show up in my leadership capacity, specifically in the day-to-day with the people I'm blessed to work with, is trying to help them get there earlier. Oh, um, I love that. To support them to get there earlier. Um, and to truly like, hey, we're not just using book terminology in the mm-hmm. office because it sounds good because Amy and Munson said we should have a psychologically safe environment. No, we truly want that. I truly want each, each person to be able to go to each other and have these conversations, even if it becomes uncomfortable. I want people to show up each day, showing up as themselves and feeling comfortable because that's what that's going to get the best value out of themselves for themselves and for the teams that they are supporting and collaborating with. Um, and so I think that's kind of the lens of how I see it. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I, I hope people, again, I like to kind of pause as we're going through so that people can kind of grasp some of, you know, grab some of those nuggets. I know people listen in the car and on their runs and, um, that idea of we're all a work in progress and your journey is going to look different and taking kind of the things that work now and, and growing on them. And then also saying like, okay, this isn't. Maybe this isn't going to work forever and, and letting some of that go. And that can be really hard to let some of those things go too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I one of the things that kind of sparked, I was having a, a conversation with one of my um, colleagues the other day, and we were talking about how we're wired, the expectations that we have of ourselves, mm. and how that at times bleeds on to others. And then sometimes that creates frustration if yes. they're not operating towards our expectation. And as an institution that uses Gallup strengths, we have our top scores, our top 10 scores with definition, description, uh, how it shows up in our job. But they also have a section at the bottom that says, given these are your strengths, here's some things that you can watch out for that can be detrimental to your strengths. Yeah. And two of those pieces showed up in some of the conversations we were having where we have the same top 10 scores, these four categories we're talking about, we have them in our top 10. And it's like, okay, well, have you spent time looking at the detrimental part? Because Mm. what's happening is, is while it is a strength for us, we could in instances push people away by this, right? Um, And so one of mine um, is this notion of, because I'm deliberative um, in the top 10, one of those be mindful of this is as well, because you're a deliberative person, sometimes you love to operate in silence and solitude. So I've got to, like, people can perceive <laughs> You're that. like, no, he's me, not, what? He's not a collaborator. He doesn't know, <laughs> but sometimes I need like my moment. I need to have yeah. that. Um, but also saying, hey, it, it can be okay to have frustration um, when we don't see things, but we have to orient ourselves to say, well, is this my standard or their standard? Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, say, how do we communicate that um, in a way that aligns with how they would receive it? Oh, um, yeah. And so sometimes we say, well, I want to tell Angie this. I'm frustrated with Angie because of this. 
but I'm speaking through my strengths and I'm speaking through my own orientation. But if Angie's not wired that way, then Angie's going to shut it down as soon as our defense mechanisms go up, right? goes up, and then that can create negativity in the relationship moving forward. So it's like, okay, spend time saying, how do I communicate this? And also, a lot of it is based on emotion and feelings. Right? So many feelings. It's not like the tactical stuff. It's like, okay, when yeah. this happened, it made me feel, mm-hmm. right? And for them, it's like, well, if you want to have the conversation, maybe you should start off by allowing them to have the space first. Hey, we had this interaction. Um, I wanted to just, hey, when, what what did it make you feel? How did you feel when that occurred? Just yeah. through that, you know? And then that way they get a chance to open up before you, right? And so now you can say, okay, my actions created that and I didn't think about it. I didn't know it. Okay, got it. But then that also allows you the space to say, hey, but when this happened, when you didn't meet a deadline, right? didn't follow through, Here's this is how it makes me feel, mm-hmm. right? And so I think I owe it to you to have that conversation so that moving forward, we all have a sense of how to get the best out of each other in a collaborative space and to support each other in each other's journeys. I love you talking about some of those Gallup strengths and things like that. I I was um, challenged in that conversation a couple of years ago when we had done that for, for some of my stuff. And I had raised my hand and I said, hey, I, I've worked so hard on these kind of basement strengths or these bottom strengths, and they should be so much better now. And, and my facilitator at the time was like, it's not necessarily that they're going to change. It's that those things that sometimes are at the bottom are things that it's really hard for you to work at. And that those are things, if you spend your whole day in those strengths, you're really tired at the end of the day. Cause it's not innately who you are, right. When you're talking about like, I'm a strategic person. And so when I have to do these other things and for me, that flipped the switch of how I think about all of this. Right. And I, and it was, you were talking about like, Hey, being able to pr- give something so that they can receive it. I think as leaders is so valuable to think about. It's not just getting things done, but it's are our teams part of that conversation. And are we moving together? Like that's such an important thing in our field to be thinking about. So I, I appreciate you bringing that conversation up. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap us up here with a question that has given everybody a bit of pause because it puts you on the spot a little bit, but I think it's my favorite question. Um, and it is, what are you exceptional at without, without butts, without, you know, you know, be boldly amazing. What are you exceptional at? I would say a willingness to learn. Yeah, you are. Yeah. I, and I don't, I don't know that, that, it qualifies as a skill or anything. But... See, no, there's no exceptions. <laughs> it's okay. You can just own it. I just, I, I love the thought of like being exposed to something different or new or something that can enhance the way we show up. Even if you take it to the personal side and think about the way I can show up as a dad or a husband, um, as a sibling, as a cousin, um, as a confidant, as a mentor, a mentee, um, it's just, it's valuable to me and it, it fills me up. Well, DJ, thank you so much. You are exceptional at that. You are an exceptional guest as well. Thank you for joining us here on Elevating Admission. Well, just me. I keep saying us, but it's just me here. Um, well, you have your you have your fans. You have your audience. <laughs> I yeah. do. And, and they are so wonderful. Um, and it's been such a journey to be able to hear um, how stories like yours are resonating with other people. And that's truly why um, this show and this platform exists is to make the table a little bit bigger and to give people space to share their story, 
but to also, I hope, give somebody else who's either coming up through this or building their own leadership journey or starting in this field to say, gosh, like I, I kind of resonate with that. And that's, that's something I can pull from. And so thank you so much for being on the show. As always, uh, this is Elevating Admission Voices. We are here to make the table of admission a little bit bigger. So pull up a chair, grab a seat and join the conversation. Bye everybody.